Over a million patients a year are treated with respect, warmth, and compassion at Boston Medical Center. It's in this spirit of community that we offer our podcast series to you, featuring our doctors and staff. This is Boston Med Talks. Here's Melanie Cole. Nearly everyone you know has had a headache at some point in their lives, and a minor headache can be a nuisance. Maybe you take Tylenol or Motrin, but if your headache is severe or lasts a long time, or you're getting a bunch of them, then you really start to worry. My guests today are Dr. Shuhan Zhu. She's an assistant professor of neurology at the Boston University School of Medicine, and Dr. Michael Perloff. He's an assistant professor of neurology at the Boston University School of Medicine. Dr. Zhu, I'd like to start with you. Do we know why we even get headaches? Do we know what they are, or do we know what causes them? Well, that's a very complex question, actually. We know there's a lot of, there's a complex interaction between genetics and the environment. Say, much like in the way of why do people get diabetes? It's, it's, it's hard to pinpoint any one cause. Uh, the most common types of headaches would be tension type headaches or migraine. And these do have strong genetic, um, components, but as we all know from personal experience, our environment really matters a lot as well on whether we develop headaches or actually develop them or not. So I would say uh, mixed mixed causes, but difficult to pinpoint on any particular one. So I'd like to add that there's, there's, uh, on the same token, headache syndromes are different headache problems. In some cases, have some similarities. There's some similarities between different types of headaches, but on the flip side, on the other side, there are you know, dramatic differences in etiology and, and, and how the headaches can feel and how we treat them too. So there are some similarities between headache syndromes, but there are some dramatic differences as well. Dr. Perloff, what are some of the most common types of headaches? As Dr. Zhu mentioned, migraines, people have heard about those, and tension headaches. What else do you see? Yeah, I mean, so tension type migraine would be the most common, and then variants off those. Um, we see uh, headaches that have different causes. So if you can think of the common tension type headache you get uh, related to stress or related to poor sleep, and people know those headaches. Migraine is more something that um, is, a, is a syndrome, like as Dr. Seuss said, has genetic aspects, but there's added features. So not usually just a headache, but a headache that comes maybe with nausea, with problems with light bothering you. And then if we go on, there's even further types of headaches. There's things like cluster headaches, which is... Um, Headache syndrome with autonomic features on one side of the face, meaning congestion, eye tearing, um, things like that. There's neuralgia, headaches at the back of the head with shooting nerve pain. So there's a lot of different subtypes. But yes, the most common that we see um, are migraine and migraine variants, different styles of migraines, and tension-type headaches due to different triggers. Dr. Zhu, when I asked you that complicated question of do we know what causes them, do we even know what they are, if we don't, and it's such a complicated question, how do you diagnose them? Because people have sinus headaches, and, and as Dr. Perloff said, migraines, toothache can cause a headache. Stress obviously can. Eye issues, you know, poor eyesight, dehydration. There's so many causes. How do you diagnose what's going on so that we can really treat it directly? I would say the most important aspect of an accurate diagnosis is the medical history. In other words, the patient's symptom. So that's the, that's most of how we diagnose these various headache 
uh, different types of headaches because there isn't really a test to say you don't draw a blood level of something as positive when it's migraine uh, and negative when it's attention type headache. It's, it's really based on that person's symptoms. And the reason it's so important to focus on the symptoms uh, is it also gives us an idea if this person may have what we call a secondary cause of headache. As you mentioned, things like dental problems, eye problems, uh, to and other problems can lead to head pain um, that that resemble, say, migraine or tension type headache. And it's important to assess whether these other causes may be present, because treating these other underlying causes is one of the methods of managing the pain. Um, now we mentioned some of the you know more common causes of. Uh, of triggering headaches, uh, migraine type or tension type. But sometimes it could be, you know, less commonly, it could be something potentially dangerous. When we see patients, we spend quite a while clearly reviewing the symptoms because that's where we're going to get the clues as to what is the underlying cause. And, and to add on to that, you know, you said if we don't really know what causes migraine, how do we treat them? Well, if you, if you look into a pot of stew with 20 different ingredients, you still see carrots, so you know there's carrots in there. So, for example, um, sleep is a big component of a lot of headache problems, and we get the history and we do the exam, and supposing the exam is normal. If someone has very, very poor sleep, that can play into it. On a more biochemical or physiology aspect, migraine headaches have an aspect of something called cortical spreading depression, which means a negative impulse across the brain. We don't know exactly how that happens or why it happens, but if we have a, a medication that suppresses that or treats it, it can help migraine. So sometimes we understand aspects of the headache um, on a, a biophysical level or aspects of the headaches on a trigger level, and we can treat those. Admittedly, we don't understand everything, but we understand components, and that helps us treat and manage headaches. I think that's what makes headaches so unique and so fascinating, really, doctors, because they're, they're so subjective. They're, you don't kind of be able to describe your pain to one of you doctors to tell you what it is that we're going through. Dr. Perloff, when do we worry? Because I think everybody, me included, get a headache and you go, oh, is it a tumor? Am I having a stroke? When is it that we really worry that a headache is something more serious? So a lot of times it comes down to when something is new or something is different. In other words, even if someone has a, a chronic condition, yes, there has to be a first migraine. So if someone is in their teens, they might have their first migraine. Um, if someone is going to come up on a bout of a lot of tension type headaches, there needs to be a first. But if something is different, so for example, if you're a person who gets an occasional headache and now you've had a headache every day for, for a month, that's something you might want to see a doctor about. Um, if you've never had a headache before and you get a new onset headache, um, if the headache has features that are different, like meaning not just a headache, but things that come with it, um, whether it be blurred vision, so basically a change. Now, a lot of times these things are benign headache syndromes. Not benign, and they do hurt, um, and we try to make your pain feel better, but there's not something terribly wrong. But usually a time to seek help is when something's different to you. Um, you know, we do have like a sort of a list of rules that we follow of when we're going to do more investigations or as a physician. Um, be more concerned about the patient, and other times when we are going to reassure the patient and say, you know, we think everything's okay and do less tests. But that's a little complicated um, in each situation. Dr. Zhu, one of the most common complaints that I hear are teens with their headaches. And Dr. Perloff mentioned 
teens and migraines, maybe they start with the migraines, stress and teens and headaches and even migraines have, you know, you see it a lot now. When do we determine if it is stress-related and what do you advise parents to do about it? I mean, how often do we take our kids to a neurologist to get a headache checked when they're under so much stress and they're not sleeping and they're on their phones all the time? There's so many factors that could figure into that. Again, I think it involves understanding the teen's uh, medical symptoms and also how it fits into the context of their lives. You mentioned stress and uh, poor sleep is a major one. Partly, you know, it's, it's a teen doesn't cannot control when school starts, and that is a common uh, pattern I see where they may improve over the summer or extended breaks, and during school times between the stress and the disrupted sleep headaches worsen a lot more. Um, now, what can parents do? You know, in these cases, it can be quite difficult because it's also not possible to adjust some of these stress factors. You know, the tests are going to keep happening. School's going to keep starting at 7 or 7.30 a.m. So that's when we uh, do what we can do, which involves medication uh, treatments with uh, various medications. And we go through various non-medication-based strategies as well for stress reduction and uh, adjusting the environment as possible, sometimes through letters or phone discussions with the teen's school to help make it the uh, environment that's as uh, healthy for that teen as possible so that they have less headache burden. Dr. Perloff, let's speak about some of those treatments. Dr. Zhu mentioned medication and non-medication. So let's start with the non-medicational treatments. What would you do for somebody if you determine that this headache is a result of stress or the lack of sleep or too much alcohol or, or any of these number of things that people get headaches from? What are some non-medicational treatments that people can try? Well, something that's obvious logic, you know, it's the old doctor's line. If, if, if this gives you pain, let's stop doing that. So you, you try to avoid triggers. And some patients will have an idea of what their triggers are, but other patients will not. Uh, we talked about sleep. Stress is this ubiquitous term, and how can someone avoid that? Maybe they can't, but for example, um, you know, I'll meet patients that, you know, they say, oh, I've had bad headaches for about three months. And I'll say, well, has anything changed over the time? And it's like, oh, well, it's when I, I start a second job and I'm working two shifts, and they're only dedicating five hours of sleep a night. Sometimes something as simple as like a letter to their employer, can we, hey, can we change their job shift? So they can dedicate eight hours or nine hours to sleep at night could be a cure. Um, so changing, you know, triggers, it could be caffeine. There are people um, that drink a lot of caffeine all day, just throughout their day, tea, coffee, soda. And then, of course, at night, they go to sleep. And they don't drink caffeine while they sleep. So when they wake up, they're in withdrawal, uh, withdrawal headaches. So there can be simple things like that. We do reach for medications if we think we can't change or, or find the, the trigger of the headache. Dr. Zhu, what kind of medications? We, we've heard about Tylenol and Motrin. And mm-hmm. first of all, I would like you to start with over-the-counter. What do you like? Do you like Tylenol better than Motrin or Advil? What do you like as far as over-the-counter for headaches, for normal tension, stress headaches? And then when does it become a prescription? Well, I would say um, probably what we call the NSAIDs, so non-steroidal anti-inflammatories. Most people are from, that includes things like aspirin, ibuprofen, naproxen. These are one of the mainstays, and most people will have some improvement with these over-the-counter medications. 
Tylenol is also a good option if uh, that person, say, has um, upset stomach to uh, ibuprofen. Um, or they can be used in combination, uh, for instance, naproxen with Tylenol or ibuprofen with Tylenol. There are also pre-mixed over-the-counter formulations of medications. The most common one would probably be branded one be Excedrin, which contains um, aspirin, Tylenol, and caffeine. Now, this can be a very good treatment for some people, but all of these over-the-counters, you know, there there are use limits. They can't be used indefinitely at the maximum pills allowed, you know, per the bottle, because it can lead to side effects and loss of effectiveness. And for some people, in particular, with the pre-mixed medications such as, uh, you know, the ones containing ex- uh, aspirin, Tylenol, caffeine, it can lead to worsening of headache if used uh, inappropriately uh, over long extended periods of time. So they, they're good for many people, but they're not exactly sufficient if someone has very frequent headaches or very, very severe headaches. And that's when we reach for prescription medications. So prescription ones, again, what's appropriate really depends on that person's individual medical background. There are a lot of different options. Uh, a common one that we use would be this family of medications called triptans, but it's not appropriate for everyone. So that's important why it's partly a prescription medication. We need to understand if you have blood pressure problems, if you have had heart issues or uh, stroke concerns, and based on your age and a lot of, and, and potentially what else that what else you are taking for other medical issues. Another common thing that we can prescribe to help with headaches is uh, anti-nausea medications as very severe headaches uh, oftentimes come with nausea, and that's because they're most of the time they're due to migraine because that's the mo- one of the most common severe headache conditions. Uh, short of that, there are a lot of other things from uh, injections that we can do in the clinic to injections that the patient can do themselves at home. Uh, it's, it, it's hard to give an overview because there are a lot of choices on what's appropriate for one person. It's, we individually tailor it to that person's medical background and medical symptoms. That was a very comprehensive answer, Dr. Zhu. Thank you so much. So, Dr. Perloff, when we're speaking about some of these treatments and we've got kids and tension headaches and there's comorbidities like obesity that could go along with this, tell the listeners what you would like them to know about headaches, about when to worry. Kind of wrap it up and summarize it for us. And if you'd like to give some good non-medicational, rest your eyes or yoga or some of these things that you might recommend on a daily basis, Go for that too. So wrap it up with your best advice about headaches, when we worry, when we don't, and what we can do about them. Well, as far as whether you talk about pediatrics or kids or even adults, I mean, adults will just quickly go through that they can self-manage. So if they have a headache that they can't figure out the the triggers on their own or they, they can't seem to treat the headache on their own and it seems to be a new persistent headache or a new type of headache or there are features with the headache that they're worried about, they should see a doctor or tell their primary care doctor and they can help them. As far as teenagers and kids, you know, as a parent, if you can eliminate the trigger, um, it can be helpful. That can be complicated um, for parents working with kids because 
uh, of their own relationship with the kids and, and maybe instructing kids to do something or, you know, not have screen time or get to bed earlier or avoid those, you know, whatever the stressful activity is that they're doing, they might not want to listen to their parents. So a lot of times getting help, um, there are different cognitive behavioral therapy programs for teenagers, and, you know, they can go and they can learn re- relaxation techniques and learn how to deal with stress, and that can help headaches and migraines a lot. Um, I think asking your PCP for help, again, this is if, you know, over-the-counter medications aren't working. So, for example, it is reasonable that someone takes an over-the-counter medication two, maybe three times a week. If, if you're having headaches about two, three times a week, you probably want to talk to your primary care doctor. When you're getting down in the range of having a headache once a week or here and there per month, it's reasonable to use over-the-counter medications. And as a parent, I think you can help your kids manage medications that way. So kids, say, you know, under the teen years, 12 and under, if it's a persistent headache, you really need to invite your doctor. Even if they're benign headaches, it, it's hard as a parent to kind of get things under control. Help is good. I think in teenagers, if these are infrequent headaches that are here and there and over-the-counter medications are helping and you can help them manage their triggers, their stress, their sleep, their different problems, then that's reasonable in teenagers. If you need help, get it. Because the relationship between parents and teenagers can sometimes make it difficult to help them. And then lastly, they come back as an adult, like we said, new or persistent or things that have extra symptoms you should probably see a doctor about. Thank you both of you for being with us today. It's important information. It's great information and certainly something that many people think about is, oh, I've got a headache. When do I worry? Thank you for clearing that up so beautifully for us. This is Boston Med Talks with Boston Medical Center. For more information, you can go to bmc.org. That's bmc.org. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.